Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk about the things that we would change in the tax code if we had a magic wand and the ability to change them. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. We're here for another week and we are talking taxes. It's our listeners' favorite topic. I think it's probably one of our favorite topics, honestly. I like all of our tax episodes. I'm just always terrified that we are going to bore people to tears. Yeah, I mean, it's the beginning of the year. Taxes are top of mind for me personally, at least, because I have to get all the books in order for the multiple businesses I'm involved with and then deal with personal taxes on top of all that. So I've been knee deep in taxes. So it's only fitting that you and I are here talking about taxes and in fact, complaining about taxes, which is probably my favorite thing to do. We love to complain. It's it's a joy for us. It really is. We love to complain about different things. And that's what we're going to do today. It's in my DNA. It makes me happy. Everyone tells me to calm down, but they don't understand that it does bring me joy. This is what I want to be doing. If I have nothing to complain about, I feel almost uneasy and anxious. So I I'm like the Larry David in my household. Which is fitting because where is your Larry David? That's not right behind you, is it? It's that way, right there. Dan's brother is an artist and has created an amazing Larry David and notorious B.I.G. Biggie mashup painting where Larry David is wearing the crown from the Biggie photo. It's amazing. It's the coolest thing you own, I think, and you own several very cool things. Agreed, agreed. All right. So the way we wanted to frame this today was looking at the U.S. tax code, looking at what we all deal with every single year. Now, if you're a business owner, you know this stuff gets very complicated. We just had to issue 1099s. We just like all sorts of different filing dates and and just all this like stuff that you have to remember and do and know to effectively navigate our tax code. Nobody, I think, is good at all of it which is why we've got professionals dedicated to it. And even they get this stuff wrong occasionally because there's just so much. And so our charge today was if you could change something, if I gave you a magic wand, what would you change? What would you eliminate or remove or what hurdle would you take out of our tax code so that people could just be a little bit happier and complain less, even though Dan likes the complaints? And to reframe this a little bit, and and there are a couple answers that I'm not sure of, you're going to reveal to me as we go on, but I don't think this was like major overhaul. We're starting from scratch. This is like, let's extract one thing that is just unnecessary from the tax code to make life just a little bit better for us. Correct. Yeah. Because because when you, you see people talk about this and they'll say things like flat sales tax and just like all, all these things that would simplify it or be able to file on a postcard. We're, we're not dreamers in that way. We're dreamers in a very modest way where it's like, if you could just remove that one like lump in, in your pillow so that it, it, it's not sitting the same way and you're like, okay, well, that feels a little bit better. 
I, I'm appreciative of that. That's really what we were asking about. Right. Th- this is finding a dollar in the street and not winning the lottery. Correct. Oh, that that's a great analogy. Nice job. Thank you. I came up with that right now. I want to start because I we tried to talk to a few different folks about this, some that are way more informed than us. So I reached out to our old boss. Shout out to, to Motley Fool Wealth Management. Shout out to Megan Brinsfield, who her nickname at The Motley Fool was Taxi Pants. Well-deserved nickname. Correct. CPA, a, a background in public accounting, but... In, and I mean this in the best way possible, a super tax geek. We were at a continuing education event. I don't know if she remembers this, but they were very like well-credentialed speakers up on the platform. And she had a question and the way they answered it was like slightly incorrect. And I saw her go toe to toe with them. And everyone in the room turned around and was like looking and listening to her because she obviously knew what she was talking about. And now there was just a, a sliver of doubt cast upon the people on the panel. That was great. Yeah, that that's amazing. So I, I texted her and said, Megan, what would you change in the tax code? So this is what she said. I would consolidate all the retirement plans to one option, regardless of employer. It would just be called retirement plan. It would have a pre-tax and a Roth option. We would eliminate the nuance of different IRA types, contribution level levels, age minimums, death rules, consolidation BS, etc. I th- I feel like that could be the end of the show right here. We could stop there, but what a what a beautiful answer that if we all just had one retirement plan option called retirement plan and it worked the same for everybody, you and I would do three shows a year. We would have nothing to talk about. We we probably spend 75% of our time on this show talking about how you get money into these different buckets and why they make sense. I love that answer so much. First of all, it's not complicated. Like you think, all right, here's the tax expert. She's going to find something crazy. This is so simple, but so meaningful if that were done. I can't tell you how often I talk to people who are telling me, well, I have a 403B, not a 401K. Do you work with those two? Do you understand those? I've got my IRA and they don't know what type it is. Like that would make life so much better for so many people and just make investing more approachable too, because you're eliminating hurdles of having to learn different terminology. I agree. Yeah, that that's un, the the unfortunate part about leading with that is that it's going to probably overlay onto several of the other ones that we have today because it's so all-encompassing and so good. So I I agree that would eliminate so much confusion and quite frankly probably a lot of jobs that are people that are being yeah. paid to explain this to people. Dan and I amongst them. Hopefully we add value beyond that and that you're listening to this show for a reason, but that would absolutely simplify things in a meaningful way. Likelihood of that happening one day in our lifetime on a scale of one to 10. Oh, zero. Zero. Okay. Absolute zero. I also think as close to zero as could be. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's going to happen. I, I wish I was an optimist in that way, but no, I don't believe that that's what's going to happen. This is taxes. There are no optimists allowed. There are no optimists. All right. So shout out to Megan. Thank you for your response. We also asked our own Matt Trogdon, who has appeared on our show several times. He is a CFP and works with us on a daily basis. He has to deal with me and Dan. The change he would make would be to remove the Roth IRA contribution income limit 
and close the backdoor Roth loophole, saying that it would save us planners such an incredible amount of time. So it's in a similar light, right? And and I, I think that's a very specific one and quite frankly, one that actually, I'm not going to say zero optimism there. I think that could be done. Right. If the IRS is going to say we will not pursue backdoor Roth conversions. They are functionally saying we are not really caring that there's an income limit on the Roth IRA. We, we're already doing that. We would basically just be clarifying a point that is functionally how our tax code works versus legally how it is written, which is that you are not allowed to put money into an IRA of the Roth category if you make too much, unless you follow this convoluted multiple step path that only some people have access to. Why, why do we care about that? Yeah, like that, that would be, that's, a, I love that answer because that I actually believe could happen. And this is an example that I think happens a lot of the tax code never really like taking away anything it's put in before, but rather building layer upon layer on top of it. So if Roth conversions are allowed and you can't make a direct Roth contribution, there is a way to get money into a Roth, even if you can't contribute because they've permitted conversions now and they're not going to take away this other piece. They're just going to continue to build and build until we have cities upon cities, which is why I think Megan's thing won't happen because you would need to wipe out a lot of existing infrastructure there that I don't think they're willing to do. Correct. I mean, it, yeah. When you get into like 401k plans that have like testing and ERISA, I'm, anyway, I'm, I, yeah, I, I could it, yeah. <laughs> just, just looking at your face when, when I said that, like the frustration that happens for a business owner that has to go through like top heavy testing on an ERISA 401k plan if they're not doing safe harbor, like totally ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm happy to, to be a part of businesses that are offering 401ks to our employees. We do safe harbor matching with the goal of eliminating all this nonsense. And the questionnaires I still had to complete. This was our first year with a full year of a 401k in place. And I had to do all these checklists and submissions that I thought I would be getting out of by offering these matching components. Nope. Still tons of nonsense to check the boxes, but I guess that's what we're here for. It, it's ugly. All right. So we've got, I think, two more where we've asked folks for some input. When Kelly Phillips Herb was on our show talking about more versus United States, we asked her the same question. And Let's see if we can play that clip. I'm going to run the audio right now just for us. And if for some reason we can't play that clip, uh, we will just work from this one. So what I would change is the income limit on student loan interest. I actually find it to be insanely low for no reason. Um, I think it's also very odd that it is the same for a couple as it is an individual. So, you know, the, the limit never changes, right? Uh, or how much you, sorry, the how much you can deduct never changes, whether you're one person or two, which is odd because in other parts of the tax code, we actually would double it for a married couple. And um, a lot of times the people who owe the most money in student loans tend to be professionals and graduates who owe that much money because they went to school for a really long time, which means they have huge bills, but because they might make a little more money 
they actually are not able to deduct that interest. And I just think that it's crazy to me that if I go out and buy a million dollar house, I guess it's what, 750 now, but if I go, <laughs> go out and buy a 750 a house, I can deduct the interest from that. But if I go out and spend that same amount on education, if I'm a high net worth, uh, sorry, a high net income taxpayer, I get nothing. So I find that like crazy, like but just from a policy perspective. That's a beautiful response. That gets even more nitpicky than Matt's, which is the ability to deduct student loan interest. And why are we... Well, I, I can tell you why we're doing it, because the real estate lobby is powerful and the student loan deduction lobby is not. But why are we giving this incredible tax break for real estate loans and, and punishing people that have invested in their own education and are otherwise already burdened by high levels of debt that is kind of choking the country out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the deduction cap is $2,500, whether you're filing as a single taxpayer or filing jointly. That's the maximum that you can take as a deduction on your student loan interest. And the income phase out happens fairly quickly. And you and I have seen people with six-figure student loan debt it doesn't matter if you're a professional earning a lot of money. <laughs> like Kelly said, you've probably went to school and took on that debt so that you can achieve that level of income. Student loans can still be crippling for you at that level, and you basically get no benefit at all for, for paying those back. I like that one. Yeah, it's if we think of the tax code as kind of this system of carrots and sticks of what's it trying to incentivize you to do versus not, I find so many places that the student loan system is just broken, right? They're like easy loans to get. Neil Brennan has like a wonderful bit. I can't remember if I've told this joke on, on the show before. And he, he basically says it's why he dropped out of college because I realized that student loans are like a small business loan and you're the business. And he goes, and that didn't seem like that good of an investment to me at the time. But if you're going to incentivize other ways people invest in themselves... Right? If you start a business and you pay interest because you've borrowed money, all that interest is deductible. You've made an investment in your future earnings power. That's really what a student loan is to not allow people to deduct that interest when they've made the investment in their future earnings power. It's, it's bad enough that even on federal loans, you're paying high interest rates on, on money that can't even be eliminated through bankruptcy. But then to not let people deduct that interest like a business otherwise would when functionally that's what it is. I, I love that point. It's a, a great answer. And can I give you and me a little pat on the back for planning ahead? I, I think we spoke with her a month ago and we already had this episode in mind back then. Well, you know, it was more than that. Yeah, because it was like early to mid-December. Yeah, we never plan like even a day ahead. So. Yeah, no, we, we are normally making this up as we go. Yeah, that, that, was, <laughs> that was the most forward-thinking thing we've ever done on this show. We're, we're amazing. This is great. Yeah. yeah. Why, why do people tune in and listen to us? Goodness. Uh, thank you out there if you are one of those people. <laughs> we apologize for our sometimes lack of preparation. All right, Dan. It's our turn. We've gone through some wonderful responses that people have given us. What would you change about the tax code? All right. I came up with this this morning. So I was also prepared. Have we heard about a little thing called the alternative minimum tax, AMT? I would wipe that out. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We have a tax code that is 
almost 3,000 pages long in just the actual code, not to mention the tens of thousands of pages of explanation. And we have a separate thing that says, all right, if that isn't working, let's calculate a second tax just in case that's higher. You'll just pay that one. Is that okay? Every taxpayer has to calculate this. I don't know whether you're aware of it because some people use softwares that do it in the background. You have an alternative minimum tax calculation in your tax filing right now, just in case they decided that the real one wasn't good enough for them. Can't we just make the real one good? Why do we need a backup? Use the real one too well is what it says. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. That's okay. Just fix the thing that you're worried about. Fix the thing. Don't have this second stupid tax happening in the background. And I feel like the people who know how to play the game of the real tax code are going to avoid the alternative minimum tax anyway. It's it's dumb. It's stupid. I love how angry you got about that. For some reason, you ranting makes me happy. And it's amazing. I enjoy being upset. And, and taxes is one of the things that sets me off. It's unnecessarily complicated. Even for CPAs, I had an encounter not too long ago with a CPA who is brilliant, a very good CPA. And they were just fundamentally not understanding something a client was going through. And we went through, I don't know, a month of back and forth before we settled on the right path. And and they know what they're talking about. And it was still hard to understand because we found ourselves in a, a weird nook of the tax code. Like that shouldn't be possible. It shouldn't be that complicated to comply. I agree with you. Okay. It's time for mine. Now, I think when we started this process, mine was very similar to Matt's. <laughs> I, I think my first thought when we came up with this idea was to close some of the Roth IRA loopholes because it's this thing we talk about. It's this like aspirational bucket to get money into. I still agree with those points, but let's talk about Social Security. The fact that Social Security is funded exclusively through a payroll tax and the way that that works is the dumbest thing on the planet. So Social Security right now is 22% of the federal budget. In 2023, the federal government in the U.S. spent $6.1 trillion. Of that, $1.35 trillion of that money was Social Security. Why is that not just included as part of the general tax base on income. If we are funding our government through an income tax, why would that be part of taxing employed people only up to a cap and exclude any other source of income like capital gains, dividends, people that live on millions of dollars a year that are not funding this almost quarter of our federal budget. Why is that? And here's where it gets particularly frustrating for me is let's say you're good at what you do and you decide, Hey, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to hang a shingle and I'm going to go into business for myself. And then you learn that not only is social security, the 6.2% you've already been paying. It's actually double that. And now you are responsible for both the employer and employee side of the social security tax. And you're going to pay 12.4% towards it. 
Again, there's another one for Medicare that applies with no income cap. This is awful. This should just be part of the income tax. If you think you're in a 10% tax bracket because you're, you're starting your career, you're wrong. You are not in a 10% tax bracket. Every earned dollar, whether you put it into a pre-tax 401k and you avoid the income tax entirely, is still going to pass through that FICA system. Why is that not just part? I mean, it, like literally, when you include Medicare and Medicaid, it's, it's like half the federal budget. Why is this not just part of the tax base that we have to fund it separately in a way that only screws the people that are actually trying to earn a living and working? That's a crazy separation. It should just be part of the regular budget. It's either an obligation that our government has made to us that we are going to pay them taxes and they are going to create this safety net for us that is going to provide a layer of income, or we're not. Let's either do it or not. But don't make it its own separate thing where then we have to argue about whether it's funded or not and whether it has any money because we gave it its own separate stream of income that is quite frankly not going to be sufficient in the near future. That that to me, it 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 screws only people that are working and earning an income. It exempts people making enormous amounts of income, even though they're paying a higher level of income tax on that that piece. It's confusing and it hurts entrepreneurs. All things I hate. Before we hit record, I actually asked my wife if she had an answer to this question and she said the self-employment taxes. So I think she's thinking along the same lines as you because it is a surprise if you're going into business for yourself for the first time. Social security being a separate line item, I think is a failure for the federal government because now they have to you know, hope that the wage base stays intact and keep managing that as a separate part of their budget rather than just lumping it into all the other things like I think would be better. It also sucks for people earning. It's hard to understand as a worker too, because in your mind, you think, all right, this is my salary. I owe this much in taxes. Like you said, I'm in the 10% tax bracket, 24% tax bracket. And you forget that part of your money is going away into these payroll taxes when you're trying to think about budgets for your household, it's really easy to forget that that money's gone and you can overextend yourself because in your mind, when you're trying to allocate things, you forget that that exists. And and that's not a small number, the 7.65% combined. If my Correct. Yeah. When you have Medicare, I think it's one, four, five and, and 6.2. Yeah. Yeah. That's not small. No, that's, that's a lot of money out the door before it hits your pocket. And for, for people that start making at the threshold, I think, for Social Security last year was 160000 So whenever you hit 160000 of earned income, you stop paying that Social Security tax. So that falls off your paychecks. But that resets every year. And especially for people that kind of hit that for the first time, I think they forget. They normalize to their new budget. So if you, if you hit that Social Security cap in September, for example, you see a bump in your paychecks. Maybe you noticed it. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you don't have any idea why that happened, but basically you have to, you stop paying that as soon as you kind of max out. And then it comes back in January. So you go through the holidays, you spend a bunch of money, you run up your credit cards buying stuff for your family, and then your paycheck in January is lower if you weren't like prepared for it. Now, people that have been through that a bunch, they get used to it. They know it's coming. But the first time or two that happens, I, I hear all the time that that catches people by surprise. That's a super stupid thing that we do that shouldn't be there. That shouldn't happen. This has been a wonderful discussion. 
Has it? I, I, I hope people enjoy this. We, I'd love to hear what people would change. If, if you've got your own ideas, yeah, I, I really want to hear from folks on this. Check your balances at Outlook.com. Whether it is a tiny, minuscule, nuanced little thing that only you deal with and none of our other listeners have ever faced this tax problem or a huge sweeping change that we all are going to deal with, we'd love to hear from you. Check your balances at Outlook.com is the email address for the show. Anything else to wrap up, Dan? I think we've done it. I'm excited for, excited for the next month of Check Your Balances. I will add that we love getting new listeners and we love engaging with people in different ways. So please share the podcast if you enjoy it. Find us on Instagram at Check Your Balances. Leave us a rating. All those things help us tremendously and keep us motivated to continue doing this. If you haven't checked out our YouTube, we have a YouTube channel. That's You can still- see Dan's prison. Yeah, I call it a prison in heaven because it looks very like heavenly with the bright lights coming in behind me. But then you realize that I'm in like a white walled room with not much happening. Although if you could see down at the ground, you'd see that there's activity here. Uh, I will point out a new guitar hanging on the wall, which was lent to me by our colleague Matt Trogdon while he is overseas for a short period of time or not so short period of time. Uh, I'll try to keep switching those up to keep it interesting for people. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. We will catch you next week on another show.